Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness for Learning podcast. Our first episode of 2023 and we meet the creators of Sea Light, mindful movement for well-being and the authors of the children's book Nature Flow. Neelam and Pamela share a lifelong passion for the ancient arts, nature and fostering well-being. They share a vision to create beautiful resources for children all over our wonderful planet that help nurture well-being and connection with nature. I mean in general over the last um, decade, certainly since I began learning yoga, I think there's a proliferation of this um, idealistic way and look and feel of how yoga should be but if I just recap back to how the teachings resonate with me it's a practice to work with my breath to work with my internal sense of feeling what I'm feeling and then using movement to kind of shift or guide myself into a way that I that can be supportive. Today we explore the importance of movement for our little ones, the current status of movement in the curriculum and Pamela and Neelam share their experiences of being at Fern Cotton's happy place in summer 2022. I think that's the key, embedding embedding the practices in things that are already happening rather than right we're going to take 30 minutes out to do qigong or yoga and then that's it we're going to forget about it for the rest of the week it's kind of not the point really so here they are pamilla neelam and actually our first child guest neelam's daughter kaya welcome to you all welcome pamilla and neelam it's such a pleasure to invite you onto our space to chat all things movement today Hello Sophie, thank you so much for having us and making space to share what we're passionate about. Oh, you're so welcome. We uh, Yeah, it's lovely, lovely to be here, thank you. Hello Neelam. We're now getting to hear about the importance of movement, even in mainstream education and parents are beginning to understand the importance of movement. Um, we recognise the importance of brain breaks, getting active in the classroom, but before we delve into the reasons behind positive movement and what we can be doing as educators and parents to better the well-being of our children and educators, can you tell us a bit about who you are and your background? Uh, Pamela, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. So hello everyone, I'm Pamela. I'm really passionate about practices that help support our well-being and those that are rooted in the ancient practices of yoga mindfulness and qigong. Um, I first started learning yoga over 15 years ago and since then I've been on a continual learning journey and um, with a blessing have been working on uh, co-creation nature flow to share practices with younger audiences and teachers as that's a really nice shift in life right now. Mm. And Neelam what about yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Neelam River and for the last six years I've been raising my beautiful, intelligent, wonderful daughter Kaya who's here with me today as well. She's oh, hello me. Kaya. That's right, let's say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, we started to explore Qigong practices together back in 2020 when we unexpectedly found ourselves at home during lockdown. Um, luckily one of uh much one of our much loved uh, yoga teachers offered qigong practices online so we could uh, tap into that and it were it just was life-changing really um before that we were practicing yoga together naturally as part of our everyday life um so that's always been a key part of everyday life anyway um we love books we always have and creating books is, is a dream come true. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk a bit more about the book um, later on. But I think it's important to mention as well that you are sisters and you talk about yeah. um, doing yoga. Is that something you did as children or is it something that you discovered together as adults? Um, it was in early adulthood that uh, we started to explore yoga practices um, in London, particularly. There was, uh, we're lucky to have really good yoga studios here. So mm. it was back then in our early 20s. Amazing. And and look what it's de- developed into. Uh, on your website, it describes Sea Light as an independent studio creating well-being resources for children everywhere, inspired by nature, but infused with the ancient arts. Can you tell us a bit more about the influence of the ancient arts? Would it help, I think, if I explain about yoga, qigong and mindfulness? Yeah, please do. Yeah. So yoga, I think um, many people are familiar definitely with the word and, and the style of movement. It's an ancient practice coming from ancient India, over 5,000 years old, and it involves breathing and breath awareness and movement, and in a way to help foster a sense of balance and um, healthiness for our body and mind. And with that comes um, the practices of meditation, so drawing within our own into our inner self and helping ourselves um, uh, be calm. And Qigong is um, maybe lesser known to to audiences. Definitely when I teach, it's um, always lovely to share the origins of Qigong. It's an ancient Chinese art, equally many thousands of years old. And it involves um, some movements that are aligned with intention and breath. So, um, quite similar in yoga in its field and yo and qigong in itself uh, is practiced for balance and well-being and a beautiful thing i love about qigong is a lot of the forms so within qigong there's movements that are referred to as forms and in yoga it's postures and these forms are very connected to our natural world and nature and so quite easily there's a, a translation of these movements into nature and last but not least, mindfulness. So mindfulness again. So we very, very, very supportive of encouraging young learning of mindfulness practices um, and definitely within school. So mindfulness is simply present moment awareness and the origins of these are also found um, in the ancient arts of within Buddhism. And then the practices itself span into yoga and qigong and that's where the term mindful movement um, Become synonymous with being aware of how we're moving and being aware of where we're placing our body and helping ourselves make that body-mind connection. Yeah, and for people that might think yoga is separate from mindfulness, a different practice, I guess yoga is a form of meditation, isn't it, in itself? Even when you are moving, it's, it's being mindful in that present moment. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Everyone resonates to yoga differently. Um, certainly for myself, and you can share as well later, for myself, yoga is a practice of drawing within to, to help our breath and help us, ourselves calm, which, which is the basis of a meditation practice. And then comes movement, so asana. Asana is the, the word used for all of the movement forms that we're probably more familiar with and um, using movement to help ourselves draw within so I feel that this is a sequence theme throughout the ancient practices. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's taken time to sort of come to that sort of understanding. That first, um, I think for myself, I was engaging. Uh, so I'm going to do my yoga class. I'm going to to practice yoga for this hour, and then over time, it's become integrated into daily life. So mm. I'm practicing yoga as a as a way of life all day, every day, whenever it feels, you know, whenever I remember. Mm. Like, can you give us an example of what that might look like in your day to day life? Something that isn't a discrete practice, but that is feeding through your day. Yeah, I mean, just now in, pre- in preparing for this call, I'm constantly reminding myself or um, doing a micro practice that I can just do without anyone else even knowing, um, coming back to the present moment, refocusing my mind, and maybe even a movement if I felt it, I did it today, but in another occasion, I might actually um, practice an actual movement from Nature Flow that will help me to clear my mind. Um, and you mentioned Qigong, which yoga is, is very, very much in the mainstream now. It's, you know, it's in schools, in my school, they have it weekly. Um, but Qigong is, is a bit behind that. But I do feel like it's, it's now beginning to come into the mainstream. I, quite often I walk down to my local fields and there's, there's people in a circle and they've all joined Qigong. Um, what do, do you think it's going to become mainstream? Do you think it will become like yoga? I really hope so because it's so accessible um, in, in terms of like uh, your physical ability, um, you know, bodily. It's so accessible. Uh, for, for all of us any age any ability level that's so true my mum who suffers with um quite bad arthritis and she she tried yoga but I think that expectation with yoga on your uh, you, that you place on yourself for people starting out they might think they need to be really flexible but I think she was almost beating herself up about that and actually found it quite uh, uncomfortable to do but qigong is very accessible for her mm-hmm yeah, but may I add to that? I think it's very also very important also to um, keep keep re- researching and finding different teachers, finding different styles because everyone has their own way of teaching, and depending on the group you're in, that will always be um, adapted. And that's just speaking from experience. When I teach yoga, one important thing is to um, be aware of of that we're all different. So being if we're physically in the room with different people is in just inviting a sense of being gentle and calm and not striving to be in a certain way. And a class I did recently, like we maybe it was yoga, but maybe if anyone observing would see no one moved in the, in the conventional way, but everyone moved to what was suited for them. But it's having um, experience from different teachers to, to kind of find what fits for you. Yeah, and actually, I'd, I'd quite like your opinion on something. I was talking to a yoga teacher recently, and we were it, saying that in our experience, yoga, especially in London, has become very advanced. The classes do not feel as accessible to beginners as they used to be. Would you agree with that, and why do you think that might be? Um, to an extent, certainly. I mean, in general, over the last um, decade, certainly since I began learning yoga, I think there's a proliferation of this Um, idealistic way and look and feel of how yoga should be but if I just recap back to how the teachings resonate with me it's a practice to work with my breath to work with 
my internal sense of feeling, what I'm feeling, and then using movement to kind of shift or guide myself into a way that I that can be supportive. And similarly, when teaching, it's it's less of the um, needing to put a leg here or an arm there. And, and when working with younger kids too, it's like just making sure that they're participating and making sure that they are aware no matter what move, uh, movement they decide to do. Yeah. So we know, we know the significance of, of movement. In the wellbeing world, it pops up as one of the main ways to develop your mental and physical health. And Vanessa King in her book, 10 Keys to Happier Living, states that exciting new research shows that aerobic activities such as walking or trotting or running leads to growth of new brain cells. And also psychiatrist John Ratey describes it as miracle grow for the brain. Can we explore the importance of movement when it comes to wellbeing? What does movement do for us and why? I mean... Movement in itself, we know, is is key to us having leading healthy lives, well-being. I think um, the World Health Organization defines well-being as our physical, mental and emotional um, states being in, in a state of, of wellness and balance. Something like that, please, please research and read for the exact definition. Um, so that in itself shows the importance of movement to keeping our bodies and mobilized our joints healthy and using movement as a way to feed into our well-being so certainly it's a core part and for me it's it's um as a mindful movement practitioner it's well how can we use our movement and fuse with mindfulness to make it a nourishing movement for us a nourishing practice for us so um for me, it's almost like one term really leads to the next when when taking time and care to care for ourselves physically. Mm. Can I just also add, um, I love that, I must look into Vanessa Key's work, um, but also I've been reading something called Into the Forest, you may have heard of it, by Dr Chinney, I think, and um, that offers the importance of nature for our well-being and even choosing where to take your walk, so taking your walk somewhere that has nature around or using your, your senses to connect is, is as important as the movement. And other research points to that. It's the quality of, of how we're doing something as to how it will feed into our internal systems. And what about for people who perhaps live in built-up areas or don't have easy access to nature? Would, is it better to, to wait for that moment or movement inside in a smaller space? Does it still have the, the positive gains? Mm. Yeah, great question. And that's something that I think um, through our work when Neelam and I collaborated, we recognised that, you know, we, I think over half of the world are living in, in cities or we're crossing that point around about now. And with that comes the urban lifestyle and, and loss of, obviously, we know about changes in our climate and around the planet, what's happening. And with that comes even more the, the reinforcement and the importance to, to connect with nature when we can. So it could even be um, the smallest thing, like if, you, if you, we have all of our senses available, just looking out to the sky is, is enough to have a connection with nature or use, it's always coming back to the senses, using your sense of smell. And if, if something's not present to enable that to happen, and then using even visuals or indoor, even the smallest indoor plant can be an offering to your senses to start shifting and shaping your mind towards nature. Yeah. 
And recommendations for children and teenagers are a minimum of 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity. And then on top of this, they should be doing strengthening activity as well, uh, recommended at least three times per week. Um, we know that parents are leading busier and busier lives and in schools children can be quite stationary with quite a formal setup of sitting on the carpet. We're expecting so much more from them in terms of being still. How does this affect their learning and experiences of education? Maybe Neelam and Ky it's Kyra, isn't it? Kyra? Kaya. Kaya, Kaya. sorry. Sorry, maybe um, Neelam and Kaya can, can answer that question. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you sit still a lot at school? Or do you need to sit still quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How do you find that? Sometimes life, sometimes a bit boring. Mm. It can get frustrating after a while, can't it? And what do you, what do you do to help you? Um, focus on what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah, it must be so challenging. Um, conforming to the expectations of you know how you're meant to be in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that. Um, in year one so after Christmas it's going to transition even more to formal learning where mm. they are expected to sit at desks for most of the day whereas at the moment they have been having free play. Yeah um, that's amazing that they have the free day. play in year one because that's yes, kind of unheard of now. <laughs> yeah it's unusual isn't it so I was really thankful for that and mm. I would be happy for it to continue probably for the rest of this year Yeah, um, but I guess I guess um, they're doing what, what they think is best and I'm not sure really, I'm not, I don't know. The... There's a real polarisation I think in, with educators in this, this idea of formal versus, um, you know, a more play-based free flow approach. Um, and it can it can feel like you're setting them up to fail when you expect something that you of them that you know is probably not developmentally they're not ready for. So what do you think in terms of affecting their learning and their their experiences? You know, for that for that class that you're talking about that are are introduced right now to the education system, this is their first experience of it. What do you think it might do for them in terms of their future in education? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, with. I, I don't have experience of working in a school and, and I haven't studied um, education formally, but just from um, knowing how we are as human beings, how we all are very different in our learning styles. Every child has its own individual learning journey and for some people maybe sitting is the available option for them and they can focus and for others they may have other emotions that won't allow help them to focus in their in the best way for them so I feel like you know a one-size-fits-all approach definitely um, is less favorable to one that tailors the learning to that individual and in terms of um, the impact so you know having even just from the few children based classes that I, I have had the opportunity to teach and um, I can definitely appreciate all of the challenges of, of anyone in um, uh, capacity of, of uh, educated, education with the group of children of balancing their, the schedule of what everyone needs to do as an activity and with all of the different behaviours that will happen um, which I guess places like one of the bases of, of, of why we want to share and help 
bring practices that help refocus or resettle and regulate emotions um, in easy ways that can just like be part of the day like Neelam said at the beginning of our call you know some of our practices and and mine certainly they just happen I find myself just doing it subconsciously whether it's a breath or a, a visual of putting my hands to my heart and it really does help just soften and manage myself to the next step that I need to do and and you know as human beings that that can happen at any at any age I believe yeah which I think is important if we're you know as Neilan was saying earlier we we have unfortunately little power when we're in the classroom we do kind of have to follow these expectations of us as educators um, but I guess what we can do, what we can equip the children with is that toolbox that you were talking about, giving them ways that they can manage those feelings of frustration when they're having to, to conform or be still. Um, PE is a compulsory subject for, for all the four key stages in the national curriculum um, and the chief medical officers for the UK recommend that where possible children have 60 minutes of daily physical activity. Um, what are your views on weekly PE lessons? Should there be more or less? It would be lovely if PE was a part of uh, daily life, if we just reframed it rather than a, a discrete lesson. It was just a normal part of school life like assemblies are. A lot of schools um, are having daily assemblies. Um, and there's every every day um, the children are out in the playground um, but it's up to them whether they're running around or it's you know it's free time but there's lots of opportunity to to have like PE activities going on at that time. Yeah and if you were in in charge of that the curriculum and what it might look like if there were no barriers how would movement be interwoven throughout the school day? Um, assemblies might be a good time to introduce some Qigong style of movement because you can do that sitting with just your arms. Um, like for if I try to describe um, raising the arms in the air and gently lowering them down to your side. Um, little con the considerations like um, you might end up touching the person next to you. Well, you can modify that by being considerate of the person next to you and you can adjust each other's arm where your arms fall and then in in just doing that you're sort of starting the day being considerate of those around you which is priming your brain to be you know in a positive helpful kind mind state which is, is a good thing and that's just one tiny little activity that I just sort of sort of thought of now there's lots more that we could probably think of if we were to put together something um with a bit more thought yeah and I think that's a really lovely one that isn't going to take more time because teachers have to fit so much into a timetable right now you know it's the first thing that gets shoved out you know get rid of the mindfulness because we've got to fit in maths get rid of the mindfulness because we've got to fit in literacy um and it's so unfortunate that that is seems to be the pattern. But with something like that, when it's included in something that's already happening, it's a really clever way to embed it in your day. Yeah, I think that's the key, embedding, embedding the practices in things that are already happening rather than, right, we're going to take 30 minutes out to do Qigong or yoga and then that's it, we're going to forget about it for the rest of the week. 
it's kind of not the point really um the better way i think would be yeah to just slip them in like for example we're all sitting around the table um doing some maths for example um i could see a few a few um people are losing focus what i could recommend is let's all rub our palms together uh, get some warmth you do that as well you do that yeah, yeah some children some children do that no yeah. they don't no they don't listen to the teacher and don't get the work done oh i don't know if you could hear kaya <laughs> do you hear what are you saying kaya tell us share it with us yeah do you want to say a bit louder oh yeah. she's saying yeah she's got experience of that where we're all sitting around doing focus work but a few children might be losing their focus they might be struggling to sort of you know mm. continue with the focus work oh and they might start talking or get distracted kind yeah. of thing. so she's got a lot of experience of that um one one thing i might suggest then is let's rub our palms together and uh, let's put our palms over our eyes just feel the heat so we're not it, it's only going to take a few seconds it takes their mind off the distraction mm. it brings you back to your body you've got a chance to take a deep breath in and out and then let's get back to okay two plus two equals you mm. know and then everyone's just back on focus it's removing it that work, discipline it element isn't it that of we you know we're getting cross that they're talking it's it's a natural thing that we as humans lose focus and we want them to understand that so that's a really lovely, gentle way to bring everybody on the same page again. Mm. And just accepting ourselves for how we are. Well, yeah, I, I understand sometimes I lose focus. And this is one of the things I might do at the moment to try and help me get back on track. I want to touch upon movement and educators because we, of course, as teachers and parents, want our children to live long and happy lives. And movement is part of that. But as the old oxygen mask narrative, we can't do this without being well ourselves. We lead very stressful lives. Um, Adrian Bethune and Dr. Emma Curl wrote a book called The Little Guide for Teacher Wellbeing and Self-Care. And they say that physical activity is a brilliant antidote to stress because we use up the stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol um, that the body creates as part of that fight or flight response. What can educators do that is quick and accessible? How can they embed healthy physical habits that help them manage the level of stress that they are experiencing daily? Um, for themselves? Mm. Mm. Gosh, it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> well, for mm. me, I have an answer. Mm. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> share, well, share your answer. The first thing, you know, if you... Yeah, we're definitely aware of, of the stresses that come with educators or anyone working in, in these stressful environments. It causes stress. And for me, the natural response is to do practices that, that nourish your, your inner well-being. So sometimes the last thing you need to do is physically, um, you know, work your body and do some 50, 50K, 50K is crazy, a, a 10K jog, like... Sometimes it's rest that that is what you need and how to get there. It's listening, listening to your body and listening to um, what is it that will, will best support you. And the more you can have a range of um, like go to practices that help support and foster you, the more you can help support your balance. So, you know, with stress commonly it would be, you know, n not to make it um, 
I think what I want to say is like, you know, the simplest thing we can do is connect back to what's happening within our body. So listening, first of all, recognizing you're stressed, or even if you're not recognizing your stress, making a healthy habit to check in with yourself and give yourself the time and space. And that needn't be like hours. It could even be a quick one minute, 30 seconds. That, that could even be because we understand so many schedules are busy. It could be when you're doing boiling the kettle for your cup of tea or going to check the post before you leave your home and just making a building in a habit that anchors to something you're doing every day anyway. Um, within mindfulness, the common one is with um, brushing your teeth. So you may have heard um, of Thich Nhat Hanh. He's, he's considered you know, one of the leading voices in, in bringing mindfulness into its present day teachings. And he often um, spoke about when we brush our teeth, just being aware of what we're doing. And even that's enough. So maybe physical education, not physical education, physical movement's what you need, but it might not always be what you need. And it's using your own guidance to lead you to that next step you take and building it into your habit. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important, isn't it, that the idea that we build these habits into our into our daily lives so that so that they happen. Otherwise, life's too busy; they will easily get moved on for something else. Um, let's come to your book. So, Nature Flow is your new movement book for children, and you can find this book on our recommended book section on our website, mindfulnessforlearning.com. Um, we will put the link on the episode summary. We use it. In my class, I have a reception class. I use it daily as part of our class mindfulness and the children absolutely love it. The book contains some really beautifully illustrated short movement exercises for primary age children. Can you tell us what do your movement classes look like and how can people attend them? Yeah, well, first of all, it's wonderful to hear you've been using it in your classroom. That's That nourishes our soul, my soul definitely just... It's so nice that um, our work can reach teach to people like yourself that are in teacher settings, and, and that's the idea. You pick it up and you use it and you embed it into your day to day. So maybe offline we can explore more about your experiences with that. Um, and nature flow in itself offers offers mindful movement. So you may have appreciated that um, our love of nature is infused. Within, within the book, within the artwork and within the, the descriptions so that using our intention, we can use movement um, to, to move in a way that helps us um, bring a sense of ease, bring a sense of calm and help us regulate our emotions. I'll just pause there in case Nina wants to add anything. And in terms of um, our work, so, you know, Nature Flow happened with, like, it feels like it's been in, in the pipeline without us realising. So when we first spoke about this and decided to collaborate and try and get so, something that serves as a, as a guide for, for people to add to their toolkit, we really wanted to make it in a way that's easy to follow, accessible and something that offers mindfulness with movement and in a different way so 
you know, as a mindfulness practitioner, teacher, I'm always reminding people that it's not um, only when you're sitting and focusing on breath and quite stationary that we're doing mindfulness or if it's, um, you know, like a colouring in, mindful colouring in activity, we can actually help ourselves connect our mind-body um, uh, feeling through movement. And that's where we, we felt offering movements that are in the field of Qigong worked as, a, as our book, uh, as an offering, so that people can, can learn and um, understand there's a whole field of ancient art of Qigong that exists out there and hopefully inspires them to continue learning and researching for more. Mm. And, and perhaps this would be a good moment for you to um, take us through a mindful movement. Oh, yeah, wonderful. That shall I Yeah, shall over I do to that? you. Yeah. Okay. So I think I was thinking to go for separating clouds. What do you think, Nina? Um, yeah, that's actually exactly what I was trying to explain earlier in the session. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I couldn't put it into words quick enough. Like, um... Okay, well... Well, Sophie, you may have appreciated in the book we have, we offered also poetry. So it's like our books and a, a amalgamation of, I suppose, practices that have spoken to our heart and have actually, be, we've used over the years to foster our own um, well-being practice. So we have mindfulness with um, awareness of our, of our senses and of our breath qigong movements that foster an intention and movement and awareness of our, our body and breath and poetry so poetry we feel is another tool that can be used to help your mind um, anchor and focus on a nice visual it may offer or something that speaks to to you as an individual um, so I was thinking I could I could also read the poetry and I could also guide the movement okay so first I'll go through the movement. Um, so separating clouds is, is as it sounds, we're gonna separate clouds. So whether you're seated or standing, just wherever you are, um, just making sure it, it's safe. If, if anyone's driving, don't do this, park over. Um, but um, we begin by taking the hands and crossing them over in front of one another, but keeping a gap between the arms. Hmm. Did I explain that well? Okay, so crossing the arms over one another and keeping a gap between the arms. So they're um, generally in front of your belly area. And then as you start lifting them, like you're taking a t-shirt off, your fingertips start reaching, scanning over your where your head is and the fingertips start lifting into the sky and then turning the palms out to either side, start separating out your arms and your hands and let them lower back down and then just repeating that movement again. So continuation, crossing the arms over one another, keeping the gap, lifting the hands and then imagine your fingertips reaching into soft fluffy clouds. Imagine, imagine what a cloud would feel like and then gently separating those clouds and imagining what's behind the clouds, some bright sunshine, 
Maybe you have a nighttime sky and you can see the stars and just letting all your worries float away in the clouds. So that's the movement. And the poetry we offered, I'd love to share. It reads, when foggy thoughts fill my mind, I part the clouds and there I find bright, spacious and light-filled skies, warm summer rays lift my spirits high. My heart shines with peace, purpose and clarity and I clearly remember how I want to be. Uh, separating clouds. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's a really lovely example and I think really helpful for parents and educators who get the book to see how it might be used. Really, really helpful. So thank you. This year you were invited to deliver your classes at Fern Cotton's Happy Place Festival, described as the Woodstock of Wellness. How was it? Oh, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Um, Chloe's <laughs> just <laughs> putting a hand it was also massive for us it was a lot of hard work <laughs> a lot of pressure I guess when you have when you have to deliver at things like that yeah it was but really really great um we were so happy to be there and um, we met lots of lots of people who seemed really interested um in what we had to offer which was um really reassuring really like, uh, validating that people thought it was just so nice to have the feedback really to hear from people because mm. um, online sales you don't necessarily but face to face it was great yeah I think so so often now with with these kind of things we rely on social media and, and online world so much that actually connecting with people is so important because you really get to see what works what doesn't and what people need what kind of things were you doing at the festival yeah, I can speak to that. Um, so we had our, a store space that we had drop-in workshops that were happening all day so people could come over and find out about Nature Flow. We could do a little movement with them. And we also curated um, some uh, uh, nature mindfulness activities, um, so craft activities that we um, uh, did as and when um, both parents, kids and adults um, came and throughout the day as well we had set sessions um, to in, in the children's area we offered mindful movement and we offered our nature craft um, I keep forgetting the word nature craft mindful nature craft workshop sorry mm -hmm. that's the I was yeah. thinking of the wording that um and an example of that was um, we had a nature mandala, a worksheet, and um, instead of colouring in, we took uh, we had uh, materials from nature like um, leaves, crumb, crumb, uh, leaves that had crunched up, so pieces of leaves, um, feathers, petals, all sorts of things that um, we could place around the mandala to make uh, an artwork, and then we we let it go as well. We put the materials back in the centre. So it was just a really nice mindful activity um, that we did together. 
Yeah, and we also um, had opportunity to be part of their poetry. So we had an opportunity to do what we, we just practiced together, which was offer the way to move. So how we'd move our arms in separating clouds, but then also the poetry aspect. So people can have an experiential experience with poetry, letting it sit with them or letting it guide their movement. So it was... Um, definitely um, such a, an amazing 360 experience and such an invaluable way to hear from people and, and get feedback and just knowing um, our works um, appreciated by people who were primary school teachers, people who work with groups of people like, um, like therapists, people who are in, in the field themselves as teachers in, in mindfulness or yoga and definitely the parents and kids that came and, and just seeing how their response was to doing their, our activities together. Mm, that's wonderful. And, and can, how can people attend your Mindful Movement classes? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't speak to that earlier. I, know, I think we um, accidentally missed it out. So, yeah, we're at the start of our journey. So, you know, we, we've taken a baby step, it feels like, to... So far, we published our book in spring, spring 22, so not so long ago. And then all of a sudden came this opportunity to be part of the Happy Place Festival, which has been an amazing learning ground. And alongside that, we're trying to pursue um, like a, a mini mindful movement and mindful nature craft style workshop through libraries. And I think we're on a still on a journey to see and gauge well where what other libraries could we visit and attend or where could we even from speaking with with a lot of people I feel there's there could even be benefit to working with teachers collectively so then they get an experience of this to take back with them to their classroom I've, yeah so it would be really nice I think to try and pursue that direction but I think we're in very early stages and very open to to seeing where our next steps or next energy can be focused in this respect and helping people um, em embrace and learn these tools so then they in turn benefit not only they benefit from from feeling this but also to share with others. Mm. And, and finally, Pamela and Neelam, I am sure many of our listeners could benefit from reaching out to you. How can they be supported by you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, we would love to hear from anyone that wants to um, connect, then please do. We have our main Instagram handle, it's at sealight.life. Um, I'm sure the details are on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we have um, contact details on our email with with our email on our website to get in touch directly and yeah we're very open to um making a next step in in understanding how to share this in a in an experiential way and of course um with nature flow nature flow itself is available to to purchase online and hopefully is an invaluable addition to to your own toolkit 
Yeah, lovely. And I will put a link up to your website, your Instagram, um, and our short review of the book on our book recommendations too. Um, so I'm sure lots of people will, will find that very helpful in their classrooms and at home. My children really love it at home too. And I want to say a big thank you to you both for joining me today to talk through Mindful Movement. It's been really, really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sophie. A big thank you to Pamela, Neelam and Kaya who have kindly shared their experiences and knowledge with us. If you would like to get in touch with Pamela and Neelam then you can find them on Instagram on at sealight.life or via their website www.sealight.life. Nature Flow is Pamela and Neelam's first book and is a resource sharing mindful movement practices rooted in mindfulness, qigong and yoga. For kids, parents and teachers everywhere, Nature Flow provides guidance and inspiration to foster connection with our mind and body. It is available to purchase on Amazon worldwide, but we do like to support local bookshops at Mindfulness for Learning. So to find your nearest local bookshop, you can go to mindfulnessforlearning.com, go to our book page and there is a link to search your nearest local bookstore. You can find out more about us at Mindfulness for Learning at mindfulnessforlearning.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.